Here at the Sociology of Everything podcast, we acknowledge the people of Ghana Yarta, whose land this episode was mainly produced on, and whose past and present elders we pay our respects to. What's up, everyone? I'm Eric Sue. And I'm Louis Everest. And we're Lou and the Sue, and this is the Sociology of Everything podcast, brought to you by UniSA, the university that has had some questionable dining options. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna not gonna name any any places, you know, mm. that I've found questionable. Mm. But let's just say a bit dicey at times. Well, okay, I- it's gotten better. Okay, in the case of anyone's listening from the university yeah. and is really upset by that. I'm not going to say anything because I'm not someone who brings my lunch in every day. I'll be honest. I'm someone who buys my lunch almost every day. So the food here is fantastic. The people who make the food here are fantastic. I have no complaints at all. So you rock up, Louie, at one of these places and you're just like... (laughs) (laughs) I am. Well, they know me. Like a colleague and I, Ross, we're the first one through the door a lot of the times in the morning and uh, they do a good coffee and I had breakfast and lunch. They try to get my business and they're just like... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is the second episode (laughs) of Sound Effects and I can already see (laughs) they're being taken too far. (laughs) Uh, What are we doing today, Eric? In this episode, we're going to consider how sociologists have come to engage with Thomas Kuhn's famous work, The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And in a previous episode, we covered what Kuhn has to say in this particular work. He offered a really interesting discussion of how science involves the adoption of different paradigms, and how those paradigms can be challenged, and how scientific revolutions can actually occur, and how that might also involve social influences and factors. We're going to specifically explore the sociological engagement with this particular text through an article by Zahir Baber in the journal Bulletin of Science, Technology, and Society. One of the interesting things about this particular work is that it first of all identifies that Kuhn wasn't the first person Mm. in the social sciences, this might be overly obvious, (laughs) to be interested in science. Mm. Sociologists have long been interested in this particular topic. In what ways is that so, Louis? Well, the key point that Baber starts this article making is that one of the things that sociologists have used Kuhn's work to look at and have almost presented as this novel argument is the notion that the social world influences science and technology into pursuit of knowledge in some way. But Baber says this is not a new thing. (laughs) In fact, there's a great quote here. He said, the fact that the growth and trajectory of science and technology are affected by the specific social context in which they happen to be located has long been recognised by sociologists. It's a found, you know, a fundamental idea that sociologists have explored. In fact, mm. Baber goes back to Marx and says, if you think about Marx's work, he's fascinated in the way that people are using the natural world to produce goods, to produce wealth, in a way that promotes capitalism, industrialization. The use of the natural world was essential to industrialization, and that was promoting science. That was promoting research about what the world is, how it exists, what its properties are, and that was still objective truth. That was still understanding the realities of the world, but it was influenced by what was going on in society. It was influenced by capitalism. It was influenced by the social action that was occurring on the ground. And 
Faber even goes further when uh, it talks about Robert Merton and Robert Merton's understanding about how the social world has influenced science. And Merton looks at that period at the start of modernity in the 17th century when science as we know it today really developed and came about and the scientific method and the principles of testing things and furthering our ability to explain the natural world was developed. And we often think about that as something that's kind of separate from society. Mm. But Merton points out that even that fundamental use of science, even that primary use of the scientific Mm. method, that's influenced by the social world. Because Merton suggests there are certain conditions in the social world that promote science, that promote the objective pursuit of knowledge. Things like universalism, a social social environment where all scientists are treated as equally knowledgeable or equally able to produce knowledge about the world. If we think about a traditional society... pre-modernity, that is not really in place, is it? (laughs) A a peasant can't go up to a lord and say, I've got a new idea about (laughs) about farming or about the world around us. You need a more modern society to to embrace universalism. That's That's the sort of thing Merton's talking about here. Yeah, I mean, if you were like a peasant and you wanted to go try to convince (laughs) someone of a new theory of how the world works, you'd probably just be met with laughter. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So even a Objective science, the scientific method, the ability to test things and to be able to replicate tests and understand the world, even that activity requires a certain social setting, is Merton's fundamental argument. And this is what Babe is going back to when he says the relationship between the social world and science is not a new thing that sociologists are all of a sudden interested in. Merton produced many of his ideas in the 1930s and 1940s, and so this predates... Hmm. Kuhn, and then Kuhn comes along, Mm. and what happens then? Well, the interesting thing in terms of what happens then, and maybe I should once again encourage listeners to listen to (laughs) our previous podcast on Kuhn, because some of this is going to make a lot more sense if you've done that. Mm. But Kuhn develops this new way of thinking about the history of science that really like Merton and Marx, acknowledges and premises the social context in which science occurs. And for me, one of the fundamental uh, ideas or principles that Kuhn comes up with is the notion that science occurs within paradigms, that every time a scientist does an experiment or comes up with an idea about the world, they're, they're doing that within a system of knowledge, a system of practices that exists around them, and it only makes sense within that system. And that over time, that system will change and a new system will develop and new things will make sense within that new system. And I think it's that idea of paradigms and changes between paradigms and knowledge only being accepted within a paradigm that sociologists have taken and run with maybe too far. You can can imagine, you know, a sociologist in the 60s and 70s reading this particular text. And that sociologist would read with delight the section that Kuhn produces about how paradigms shift from one another, especially when Kuhn talks about the social factors that might be involved in the adoption of certain paradigms. You know, he talks about, for example, a person's nationality maybe having Mm. an influence. What explains why the French or the Germans were more slow to take up a certain theory than the British or the Americans? So then he highlights how sociologists have really taken 
Kuhn's ideas and run with them. Hmm. They've interpreted Kuhn's work to say that there is a socially constructed quality to scientific knowledge, hmm. that it's not simply just objective, and that taken to an ex- extreme, all scientific knowledge is theory-laden and somehow related or influenced by the social context. Mm. Now, one of the things that Baber does in this particular piece is he does do some hat-tipping to this approach. Yeah. He does talk about how it illustrates the messiness of the scientific process. Mm. So there is an understanding of science which tries to smooth out all the rough edges, mm. right? I mean, off, again, there's something there, I think, when Kuhn talks about the textbook understanding of science being a little bit too simplistic. Mm. And I think in some ways what Babe is saying is that constructivism or the constructivist ideas that have come off Kuhn and Kuhn's work himself provides a useful lens to, to critique and think about how society has influenced, has mm. influenced science. It, I mean, it is very useful to think about are there biases that are being, you know, replicated in scientific work? Are people's research questions shaped by their position in society? Some constructivist positions, like ones that originate in feminist standpoint theory, have made some really important contributions here by demonstrating how the questions that scientists have posed have had a masculine framework. They've looked at topics that are more interested and relevant to men in society. So... Uh, Baber does, does think that constructivism has provided some really important critique and a really important way of examining science. However, <laughs> there's a big however here. <laughs> however, <laughs> when, when the constructivist argument goes to that next step of saying just because science is influenced by the social world, therefore the knowledge produced by science can't be objective it has to be subjective it can't be an actual fact about the world around us it can only be someone's opinion about the world around us when constructivism goes to that step that's where baber says Cool your jets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe gone too far. I mean, one of the very striking passages, I think, of this particular article is when Baber notes that scholars working in the social constructionist thread Mm. have used Kuhn's work. They've oftentimes used it as a meat cleaver (laughs) to hack away at certain understandings of science in the field of sociology. So violent. (laughs) <laughs> so violent, right? But I think he's trying to just argue that there's been a lack of nuance. I think one of the useful things about the social constructionist view of science is that it does say that sociologists have a role to play in trying to understand objective understandings of the world. Because you could imagine, like, basically a playground and there was a section where sociologists were permitted to play in. And and what Kuhn's work does is, according to some sociologists, provide them with the key to access other areas. Mm. But to have something overriding to say is something that Baber seems to be pretty uncomfortable with. Absolutely. Uh, I think Baber really makes three key points to articulate that uncomfortableness, that unease. And the first one of them is that 
uh, Baber says that this notion that constructivists put forward, that scientists see themselves as the arbiters of truth around the world and don't understand <laughs> that they're influenced by their social setting, well, that's rubbish. <laughs> and in fact, the whole scientific method is developed for scientists to try and overcome their social context and produce truth about the world. You know, he says that scientists are not strictly foundationalists. They don't see themselves as capable of understanding the natural world without social and human mediation. And they do do not see scientific knowledge as absolute and unsettled. They acknowledge the fact that paradigm change can occur. <laughs> it's not a foreign concept for scientists. So that's one thing. And the second point that Baber makes on this, in fact, this may even bring us to our say what? <laughs> I think that could be my first solo say what very as well. Exciting. But yeah, yeah. It's very good. Throw, I didn't even get the yeah, applause. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah, as a great job, Luke. Very great job. That's the sort of applause where you know someone's held the sign up late <laughs> and the crowd hasn't been Wouldn't known. that be great if you're like, say what? And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> that could have happened then. <laughs> so, as I was say whating, um, so if Baber's first key point is that scientists themselves acknowledge that they're in a social context and they need to try and work to overcome that, then the second point that Baber makes on this is that there's just very little evidence of uh, of the fact that the social setting of scientists renders their knowledge mm. subjective, not objective. And so the quote that emphasises this, and I've done my say what in reverse, so, but here we go, is that proponents of the radical constructivist position who seem to find social and political factors constituting the cognitive content of scientific knowledge have simply failed to offer empirical substantiation of their claims. Yeah, so he's like... Show me the facts. You claim that scientists basically are always influenced or have the potential to be influenced by social factors mm. in the production of science. Mm. Show that mm. to me. Don't just assume that might occur. And, and it's cause it, cause it's a claim that requires a lot of nuance. You know, there's a lot of different factors. Why would the social factors be the overriding ones? And then the final point that Baber makes, and this brings us in a full circle to some extent, is that a lot of these ideas around constructivism that have used Kuhn's work have also misinterpreted Kuhn. Well, that's what Baber says anyway. Actually, Kuhn himself. Well, that's right. Very clearly <laughs> wrote that sociologists and other social scientists that were interpreting his work to advance the social construction of, of understanding of science, they just clearly misread and overlooked aspects of his work. And in fact, Kuhn himself states that his, his ideas of scientific paradigms is not even incompatible with that original work of Merton where he looks at what social setting is conducive to scientific knowledge, which is something that many of the people who have used Kuhn's work fundamentally disputed. They use Kuhn's work to attack Merton and to move beyond that traditional sociological understanding of science. And Kuhn says, no, I actually support that traditional perspective. Because Kuhn still actually seems to hold on to a realist understanding of the world. And what that means is he still thinks there's an objective reality out there. Doesn't matter what we say, if you throw a five cent piece up in the air, it's going to come down. And so he's trying to argue that the quantitative precision of science, the fact that one paradigm explains the world better, isn't simply because people have been duped into thinking this is correct. It's because there's actually something about the world in which it reflects. And that this is somehow, to some extent, 
objective. But it also doesn't mean that science is simply socially constructed in an arbitrary way. And so this speaks to really just two final points I really want to highlight about the text. First of all, it highlights that social theories oftentimes have an ambiguous legacy in the field of mm. sociology. Absolutely. You know, Louis, you've produced works before. Do you mm -hmm. expect them to go unscathed and simply just accept it as they are? Probably not. Everyone loves my work. It's perfect work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't received quite the number of citations that uh, <laughs> Guten's received. No, 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 no. One day, Louis. Not with that attitude, you know. Uh, and then secondly... How does sociology understand the topic of truth? This is obviously a very important topic, not just to sociologists, to the broader world. It's one we'll continue to have on this podcast. Thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. <laughs> the Sociology of Everything podcast is created and hosted by Eric Sue and Louis Everest. It's produced and edited by Eric Sue, with special assistance from UniSA Online and UniSA Justice Society. To learn more about studying sociology and other programs online or in person at the University of South Australia, visit unisa.edu.au where you can search for more details. The Sociology of Everything podcast is primarily recorded on the lands of the Ghana people. The hosts of the podcast would like to pay their respects to elders past, present, and emerging. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more about the podcast, visit our website at sociologypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>